anybody in here uh, like to sleep? Anybody like to sleep? I like to sleep. And, uh, you know, listen, if you've ever thought that you were bored in church and you wanted to go to sleep, like, if that's ever going to happen, it'll happen for me right now. So, as I love to sleep, and I'm dang good at it. <clears throat> I practice, and I'm good at napping. I'm really good at napping, okay? My wife doesn't like this about me. I was actually at Cracker Barrel last night, and I thought about it. I can go to sleep pretty much anywhere. You know, and, like, I can go to sleep right here on this floor because the Lord has anointed the top of my head with a flat spot. <laughs> True story. I have a flat spot on the top, like right here on my head. So whenever I lay down, it works perfectly on flat floors. And uh, yeah, so I, I can nap just about anywhere. And, um, you know, so it used to be uh, a problem for me and my wife because uh, we would be ready to go somewhere. And I'd say, hey, how long do we have uh, before we leave? And she'd say, oh, we got 15 minutes. I said, perfect. I'm going to go take a nap. She said, wait a second, you can't go take a nap. We, we got to leave in 15 minutes. I said, I need to wake up and put my shoes back on. It's to go to sleep, 10 minutes to be asleep, two and a half minutes for me to wake up and put my shoes back on. That's more than enough time for me. But I do have some problems with sleep. Did you just call me a robot? <sighs> All right. So I do have some problems with sleep, though. Um, like one of my problems is that I have these half awake, half asleep nightmare things. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? All right, so this, this really happened. For those of you that wonder what it's like to be married to me, this is it right here. Right, so my wife, she sleeps on this side of me, but so that you can see what's happening, I'm going to point over there. Okay, so I'm, I'm asleep, middle of the night, and I think that I see all of my nightmares typically involve spiders. I hate spiders, all right? And so this spider, I wake up, and the spider, like this big, I guess that would be a tarantula. I don't know if tarantulas do this, but this is what happened. So the tarantula starts dropping out of the ceiling, and it lands right there. And it's, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> it, goes under, it goes under our pillows, because our pillows are right next to each other, and this is really what I do. I get out of the bed. Hannah, get out of the bed! <laughs> And I flick on the lights, and I'm like, there's... Yeah, you can go back to sleep. It's okay. False alarm. That's what I do in the middle of the night. That's life with me, okay? So, I've gotten better at dealing with that. I just, I now freak out quieter, and I'm like, okay... My wife may die, but this may be a dream. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So, but recently, though, um, in the past few months, I, I started having another issue with my sleep. Um, the, the other issue that I started experiencing was actually whenever I would wake up first thing in the morning. Uh, whenever I wake up first thing in the morning, uh, I would have severe anxiety. Like, I, I didn't even know where it was coming from. I, I had no idea. I'd just wake up, and I'd be about ready to throw up. Um, just so freaking anxious. It was ridiculous. Um, and, and I didn't know what was going on. 
And, uh, you know, so that's, that's what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about this idea of anxiety and rest. Um, and, and listen, there's a lot of you in here that suffer from anxiety. I know this, okay? I, I know some of your stories. I know that uh, some, some people in this congregation, you, you right now, you have medication for how severe your anxiety is. And um, I want to I put a disclaimer on this, okay? I'm not telling you to go home today and throw away your medication. Okay, we believe in doctors here. Okay, uh, and, and I'm not telling you go home and throw away your medication. That's not what this, this sermon's about. However, at the same time I'm telling you that, I do believe in a Lord that we serve, and, and his name is Jesus, and his spirit, the Holy Spirit, has a way to bring power into this earthly realm, and he can do miraculous things. And if you don't serve a God who can do anything supernatural or miraculous, then I would tell you to stop following him. What kind of God is that that can't do anything, right? So I, I don't want to follow that kind of God. And, and so here's the thing. If you're, you're anxious right now, you're anxious right now, I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit has the ability to come into your life in an instant and remove it in the name of Jesus. All right? But here's, here's where we're going to go with this today because the Lord brought me through a process that I didn't know was actually uh, written out in Scripture. I didn't, I didn't have any idea that he had a process for dealing with anxiety and that he specifically identifies it. Um, and, uh, you know, so a friend of mine, Gary uh, McCormick, some of you know him, uh, he calls me Waffles right? Because I like straight lines. I like nice, neat structure. You know, I don't like to get outside of the lines. That's me, okay? And, and he's like, you know, I love that you uh, are, are getting outside of the lines a little bit and, and, and seeing God. And I'm like, whoa, 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 you got me all wrong here because I still like the lines. I'm just trying to find where God's lines are, okay? And, and very few things in scripture can you find nice, neat uh, things okay it's it's generally it's kind of messy and and hard but but this is one of the few times that you're going to see in scripture a very easily identifiable plan very easily identifiable plan and that's what we're going to go through today we're going to go in leviticus chapter 26 um, that's where we're going to camp out all day okay camp out all day there but before we start reading there's a few things that i need to define for you um, and, and these are just kind of loose working definitions, just so you have a, a general idea uh, for what the, the scripture is referencing whenever we get to those places. And the first thing that we're going to talk about is the idea of idols. All right, idols. So idols in the Old Testament were literal idols. They were, they were uh, graven images. They were things that they worshipped, right? And we don't have that, or if you do, we really need to talk. Okay, um, so... That we don't have idols, but what it was for them was it was a way to control the outcome of everything. It was a way for them to say, this is what I want, and I'm going to pursue what I want, and this is the way that we can do it. So if we need more rain in the land, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray to this specific rain idol so that we can get the rain that we need. It's what I want, and I feel like I need the rain, so I'm going to worship the rain idol, and I'm going to make it rain through that idol. If it's more wealth that I need, I'm going to worship the idol of wealth, of money, and then the, the wealth and the money is going to come my way because this is what I want for my life. That's the idea of idol worship. And the same thing kind of trans, translates into us, right? It's, it's about what we want. It's, I'm going to work harder to make this happen. I, I'm going to do this to, to see this outcome, and I'm going to invest. And what I'm going to do ultimately is I'm robbing God of his plan, right, so that I can, I can pursue what I want. I want I, I'm going to pursue what I want 
And that is the idea of an idol for us. The, the second thing that we're going to talk about is the idea of Sabbath. So Sabbath is uh, this, this concept of taking a step back, but it's not just like rest. It's removing ourselves. It's intentionally taking a step back because we need to realize that it's actually about God's plan, not about ours. And if God has a plan that he wants to invest in, then he is actually going to be doing some of the work with us. So the Sabbath is us saying, all right, I'm going to take a step back and remember that it's not my plans. It's not all about what I want, but I'm working with God. And therefore, God, I'm going to let you do some work. And it's not in an entitled way or anything like that, right? It's not, it's not entitlement. It's partnering. And this is, this is one of the ways that we partner is because we have to remind ourselves at least once a week that God has a plan that he wants to work out as well. Yeah. And we're a part of that. The third thing is peace or shalom, peace or shalom. That's the uh, completeness or wholeness. It's not lacking anything. You don't have to worry about the stuff coming your way. You don't have to worry about the plans that are out there because you are complete and whole and God is working things together for your good, right? And so that's the idea of peace. We don't have to worry about anything. Then the last thing is enemies, enemies. Now, we don't have physical enemies. Like you might have a boss that you hate. I know that I don't. So you might, have, you might have some physical enemies, right? Um, but, but we don't have enemies like they had back then. They had people that like, wanted to kill them, okay? We don't have those kinds of enemies. We have what would be called more like enemies of our heart. These are generally spiritual or emotional, and a lot of times the spiritual can translate uh, to work with the emotional. And so we would have like unclean spirits and, and there's a whole other spiritual realm that's at work that's trying to take advantage uh, uh, and, and become our enemies through our emotions, through our plans, through the things that we are trying to put forth effort in. And so now these, these spirits come along and they actually try to manipulate our emotions to the worst end. So the emotion of worry that may happen that normally you could control because you, you would see it and you would run to God with it, well, what a, an unclean spirit would like to do is say, I'm going to take that worry and I'm going to help you forget that God is in this with you. And so now you need to worry and it's going to push you to an end that you weren't ready for and that you cannot control. So those are the kind of enemies that we're talking about. We're talking about enemies of our heart. Now, let's go to Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus chapter 26, and we're going to go to verse 1. <clears throat> Leviticus 26, verse 1, it says, You shall not make for yourselves idols, nor shall you set up for yourselves an image or a sacred pillar, nor shall you place a figured stone in your land to bow down to it. For I am, I know it says the Lord there, but the Hebrew word is actually the Lord's name. It's Yahweh. I am Yahweh, your God. He's reminding us in this very first verse that you may have a lot of different gods that you try to worship, but I am supposed to be your God. Yahweh is supposed to be your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am Yahweh. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments so as to carry them out, then I shall give you rains in their season so that the land will yield its produce and the trees of the field will bear their fruit. Indeed, your threshing will last for you until grape gathering and grape gathering will last until sowing time. 
You will thus eat your food to the full and live securely in your land. I shall also grant peace in the land, so that you may lie down with no one making you tremble. I shall also eliminate harmful beasts from the land, and no sword will pass through your land, but you will chase your enemies, and they will fall before you by the sword. Five of you will chase a hundred. A hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall before you by the sword. So I will turn toward you and make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will confirm my covenant with you. You will eat the old supply and clear out the old because of the new. Moreover, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul will not reject you. I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you would not be their slaves. And I broke the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. But... If you do not obey me and do not carry out all these commandments, if instead you reject my statutes, and if your soul abhors my ordinances so as not to carry out all my commandments, and so break my covenant, I in turn will do this to you. I will appoint over you a sudden terror, consumption and fever that will waste away the eyes and cause the soul to pine away also. You will sow your seed uselessly, for your enemies will eat it up. I will set my face against you so that you will be struck down before your enemies. And those who hate you will rule over you, and you will flee when no one is pursuing you. I don't know about you, but that sounds an awful lot like anxiety to me. Sudden terror. Fleeing when no one is pursuing you. Working and working and working uselessly. You know, here's what I want us all to understand, because some, I've heard people say not nice things about people with anxiety, and, and what we need to understand fully is that anxiety is not born from a bad place. It's not, right? Anxiety, nobody wants anxiety in their lives, right? You, you don't wake up going, yes, I love feeling sick. Every day, nausea, yes, right? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't come from a bad place. Where it comes from, it's, it's actually born from a place that says, I want to take care of my family. I'm going to do whatever it takes to take care of my family. That's where it's born. It's born from the place that says, I don't want to let anybody down. It's born from the place that says, I'm going to be the best version that I can be of me. It's born from a place that says, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it happen. It's born from a good place, but that's what Satan does. That's what Satan wants, right? And, and, and Satan, he, he has the ability to twist things on us because ultimately he, the enemy does not need us to denounce our faith. He doesn't need us to do that. What he wants us to do, though, is worry that we won't be able to make it on our own. And what's interesting about that is that Satan, he doesn't create anything. He just twists it because God wants something very similar for us. It's not that he wants us to worry that we can't make it on our own. He wants us to know full well that we can't make it on our own. And that the Lord is beside us. And so that's where the Sabbath comes in. The Sabbath comes in so that he can remind us that even if I slip, the Lord will uphold me with his righteous right hand. The Sabbath is there to remind us that even if I can't get the rain to fall, he can. Even if I can't get the seed to grow, he can. 
Even if I can't seem to make it on my own, he can. Even if I can't seem to do the next thing that's necessary, he can. Even if I can't seem to measure up, he can. That's the point of the Sabbath. And what we don't like, though, in Scripture is whenever God says his warnings, and he says, do this, and I'm going to bless you, right? God gets such a bad rap because then he goes on and he says, but if you don't get rid of your idols, if you don't keep my Sabbath, then all these bad things are going to happen to you. We don't like it whenever God does that. Now, now all of a sudden, God's a bad God. Um, last week, uh, my son, uh, I come home and my son comes up and he shows me something. And, and um, you need to understand that Last year, I built a pergola. So the gate to my backyard is a pergola, and I built it. And um, so the first thing that my kids want to do is climb on it, right? Because that's what kids do, and I understand that. But I went ahead and I told them, I said, listen, you cannot climb on this. This was, this was built to be decorative and hold a gate, not be decorative, hold a gate, and hold a child, okay? So you can't climb on this because it's not going to hold you. You're going to fall off and get hurt. We've had this conversation a few different times. So last week, I come home from work. Gabriel comes running up to me, and he's like, Dad, he's my oldest, he's nine, and he's got this big Band-Aid going across his, his arm. He says, Dad, look, I got a cut. And I was like, okay, well, what happened? He said, well, I was climbing on the pergola, and I fell off, and I cut my hand uh, on the gate. And I said, I'm glad you got hurt. <laughs> That's not what you're supposed to do. Hannah immediately came over. She's like, you can't say that. <laughs> like, well, I was glad he learned his lesson. You know, I, am I a bad dad because I warned my child not to climb on that because if you climb on it, it's not designed to hold you and you're going to fall off and get hurt. And what happened? He climbed on it. He fell off and he got hurt. Is that my fault? No, but that's what we treat God like sometimes. Is he saying, listen, I built this pergola for you to, to enjoy and for it to be beautiful. Don't climb on it, though, because if you climb on it, you're going to get hurt. And so then what ends up happening is we go and we say, yeah, well, you're a mean dad. And so we're going to go climb on the pergola. We fall off and get hurt. And then we're like, see, dad, it's your fault. What? How does that work? That's not how it works, so God's trying to be a loving God, and he's like, dude, I got all this stuff for you, and I want to bless you so abundantly, but, but you gotta, you got to do the things to, to unite with me. And so here's, here's how it happens for us, okay? This is where, this is where it all goes wrong for us, um, and I, I can speak from experience, okay? So what ends up happening is you come in, and you're like, all right, you know what? I want to take care of my family. Good thought. I want to take care of my family. I'm going to do whatever it takes to take care of my family. Now there's a position at your work, right, where you can potentially get that next raise that you need so that then you can take care of your family better. And you're like, okay, well, in order for me to get the next position, I'm going to have to work a little bit harder. And so then you start putting in more hours and more hours, and you're like, oh, man, this is, this is good. I'm going to get that position. And so then you get that position, and then it's like, oh, man, now there's another position that I could get, and, and I could really take care of my family. i got to save to get my kids into college. i got to get them the new shoes. I got to get them the new bat. I got to get them the new stuff, right? 
and, and, and I got to take care of all this stuff, and it's really difficult. And so what I got to do, though, is I got to put in more hours. And whenever I put in more hours, uh, and, and, I, and I start to strategize better, and I start to make my to-do list better, and I start doing the things all better, then I'm going to get the next raise, and I'm going to be able to take care of them. And so now it's all, it's all about my to-do list. And, and so you're like, oh, man, God, okay, what, what do I have to do? All right, I, I need to take time with God. I know that I got to take time with God, okay? Um, but my mind is too cluttered to focus on God right now. So let me get my to-do list, you know, all mapped out. Then I'll go spend time with God. That way I don't have to worry about it. And, and so good intentions, right? So I'm going to spend all this time and I'm going to take this, uh, this position. I got to work on this relationship. I need to have this conversation with this person. Dang it. I'm out of time. All right, Lord, I'll get back with you later. And so now we're on to the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And it's like, ah, dang it. God, I'm so sorry. You know, I want you there, but, but you know that I'm trying to do my best over here. I'm trying to take care of my family. I don't have any other options. And so now all of a sudden the Sabbath doesn't happen. And it's become all about your will. It's become all about your plan. It's become all about your stuff. And God's over here going, hey, whoa, 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 I can help you with that. And you're like, no, 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 but you don't understand. And so the Sabbath doesn't happen. And so now you remove God out of your life unintentionally. You remove him. And, and he's sitting here in the Sabbath waiting. And he's like, hey, listen, man, if, if you do your plans with me, I've got you. Do your plans with me. I've got you. And, and you're like, no, you don't understand. And so now God is removed unintentionally, but God is removed. There is no more Sabbath. Since there's no more Sabbath, there's no time for you to rest and allow God to enter into the plans. Now, all of a sudden you enter into this area where you're like, dang it, man, I, 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 I got to worry about my finances. Now I got to worry about my relationships. Now I got to worry about this. I got to worry about that. Man, is my kid turning out right? He's got that twitch. I don't know what he's doing, you know? And <laughs> He's doing all this different stuff, right? And, and, and how do I fix that? And, and, and now you're worried. You're like, man, I, I don't feel complete. I don't feel whole. Um, you know, everything is in turmoil and, and I'm just barely keeping it all together. And then your enemies overtake you. Your enemies overtake you and it's like, man, I feel like I can't escape. I can't escape, they're everywhere. The anxiety that's in my stomach, at one point I could tell you I was nervous about this, but now I can't tell you who I'm running from. Now I can't tell you why I'm, I'm going in circles. I can't tell you why I'm working and working and working. I'm just working to keep my head above water. And at one time in my life, it was so that I could, so that I could take care of my family, but at this point, I don't know why I'm working so hard. And what is interesting about the scriptures is that it says sudden terror will overcome you and, and that you'll work uselessly and, and that you'll flee when no one is chasing you. And you know what else it says? That if you are in this long enough, sickness will come over your body. Your physical body will be affected by your spiritual choices. And now you will be overcome with a sickness that you cannot control. And at this point, the only way that you can attempt to control it is through medication because you've been doing it so long. You've been doing it so long. <clears throat> and here's what happened for me. I, whenever I started waking up anxious, you know, I was, I was laying here and I was just like, oh God, why am I so anxious? You know, it scared me, you know, it scared me a lot because it was, it was a few weeks and I couldn't figure out. I'm like, ah, every morning that I wake up, I'm anxious. And for some of you, it's every night you go to bed, you're anxious. You, you just lay awake. You, you lay awake at night and, and you're just looking at a dark ceiling and you're, you're begging God to go to sleep. But your enemies have overtaken you. And so I start praying and praying and praying and I'm like, Lord, 
I, I got to get rid of this anxiety. And he said, here's the thing, buddy. I, I, I want to tell you something. I don't want you to rest like a man going to battle anymore. I want you to rest like a king who's already defeated all of his enemies. I don't want you to rest like a man going to battle, man, because that man going to battle, he's nervous about tomorrow. He's nervous about, am I going to make it? He's nervous about, can I keep doing this, God? I don't know if I can do this another day, God. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, Lord, and I don't know how I'm going to face it. I don't know how I'm going to wake up. He says, I don't want you to rest like that anymore. I want you to rest like a king who's already defeated all of his enemies. I said, okay, Lord, I see. How, how do we do that? How do we do that, Lord? And I start going back through all the scripture that I've studied throughout the years and like, all right, Lord, I, I know that I have the power to command my enemies to submit. I know that I have the power to, to speak in Jesus' name. I know that I have the blood of Jesus over my life and, and that I should have the earth in there, but I need you to start working on, on peace. I need you to understand what shalom is. You got to understand, I didn't see Leviticus 26 until this past week. This has been going on for months, this story, okay? I didn't know Leviticus 26 had a plan. So he says, all right, you want to defeat your enemies? I want you to understand shalom. All right, Lord, I'm going to understand shalom. So then weeks, weeks of trying to figure out shalom, understanding shalom. And he's like, yeah, listen, listen, I'm going to take you, I'm going to, take you to different places in Scripture. And a lot of it has to do with uh, Psalms defeating your enemies. A lot of it has to do with John 14. John 14, Jesus comes along and he says, you know what? Listen, I'm going to give you peace, but not peace as the world gives you, because peace as the world gives you is actually anxiety. Peace that the world gives you says work a little bit harder. Don't do your Sabbath and watch the peace that you get. I'm not going to give you peace that the world gives you. I'm going to give you peace from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit with you. And so I start saying, yes, Lord, give me your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, give me your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, wash over me. Bring me the peace that only you can bring me. And he said, good, you're ready. I want you to start working on Sabbath. It's like, all right. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do with Sabbath. And he's like, well, Sabbath, rest. I want you to start understanding rest and Sabbath. And I was like, whew, thank, thank you, Lord. And I want to rest. I've been working hard, uh, trying, to, trying to make things happen. And, and so, man, I would love to be able to just take a good nap right now. And he said, he said, why are you going to go to sleep when you haven't done any work yet? I'm like, I don't know, Lord. You told me to rest. And he said, no, I told you to Sabbath. Rest and Sabbath, they go together, but they're different, okay? We're resting from our work, but here's, here's what Sabbath is. Sabbath is whenever you choose to intentionally focus in on the plans that you have united with God on, and you're willing to acknowledge that, you know what? The Lord has got to do something here. And so I'm going to take a step back, and Lord... I understand what my to-do list is today. I'm not, I'm not trying to escape my responsibilities and sleep through the day. That's not what Sabbath is. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to intentionally take a step back and say, all right, Lord, you got to do something. And so what I would do is I, I would say, I'm going to be honest with you, transparent, okay? I'm not good at sitting still for very long, okay? And so I said, all right, Lord, I don't, I don't fully get it, but I've got eight minutes, 
Do you have eight minutes? I've got eight minutes. I said, all right, I'm going to sit down for eight minutes, close my eyes, and I'm going to ignore everything else. And, and, and I, would, I would read through some psalms and look for a psalm of God's goodness. And I found one that I love, and it says that the Lord never sleeps or slumbers. That's a good reminder whenever you're trying to take your hands off of something, right? That I'm going to take a step back, but he doesn't sleep or slumber. He's still got his hands in it. And so I, I, would, I would close my eyes, and I'd just say, all right, Lord, eight minutes. I just want to focus in on you. And so I would, I would picture myself sitting in front of God. I don't know what God looks like, and that's not really the point, you know. But I would just try to focus on God and say, all right, Lord, you never sleep or slumber. And I believe that I'm aligned with your plans. So, Lord, I need you to take care of some stuff. And I don't know how my to-do list is going to end up today, but you do. You've already seen the other side of it. You've already seen tomorrow. You've already seen the, the relationships that I have engaged in. You've already seen the conversations that need to happen. You've already seen all of that, Lord. And now I need to just trust you to do your thing, God, and I want you a part of this. And so then what happens? Then finding your idols becomes really easy. Because as you're trying to push everything out and focus in on God, the way to identify those idols is what's trying to interrupt that Sabbath. Whatever's trying to interrupt that Sabbath, boom, those are your idols. Those are the things that you start picking off. Saying, all right, Lord, I want you in this. I want you in this. I, I, I've been focused on trying to take care of my family under my own means. I, I want you to be in this with me. Because, Lord, you would want me to take care of my family, but I need to be with you and follow through your plan with how we're going to take care of this family. And it's us working together to make that happen. And if you can work through that process and start identifying all of those areas, well... Verse 26, I'm sorry, chapter 26, verse 8. It says, five of you will chase a hundred. And a hundred of you will chase 10,000. And your enemies will fall before you by the sword. So this is, a, this is an important concept for you. In order for us to say that five of us are going to chase a hundred enemies, and a hundred of us are going to chase 10,000 enemies, the enemies have to be present. Okay? Enemies have to be present. Later on in Scripture, in that same chapter, he says, listen, if you don't get rid of your idols and you don't keep the Sabbath, then what's going to happen? Your enemies are going to overtake you. It's important for us as a church to understand this idea that by ourselves, spiritually, we can do some stuff. But whenever five of us get together in the right manner, then five of us will chase a hundred of our enemies. And it spiritually compounds. In the spiritual world, our faith and authority compounds. And so then, a hundred of us following through on getting rid of our idols, a hundred of us following through on, on uniting with God in the Sabbath, now all of a sudden we chase 10,000. But if we don't, what happens? If five of us choose to say, I'm going to still make it on my own. I understand the concepts, but I can't take my foot off of the gas. Five of you get together, we're overtaken by 100 enemies. Your enemies overtake you. If 100 of you say, I understand the concept, but I don't have time for that. You don't understand my schedule. I don't have time to, to unite God with me on this journey. 100 of you are overtaken by 10,000 enemies. 
and you're left over here going, oh God, how am I going to go to sleep tonight? I don't understand why I can't seem to get ahead. I don't understand why my enemies keep overtaking me. But if five of us can unite together, we can chase a hundred enemies out of this place. If a hundred of us can unite together, we can chase 10,000 enemies out of this place. That's why it's important for this church to be diligent in moving forward, diligent in moving forward with God in his plan, because there are enemies here that have been brought here because we choose to, to worship idols, because we choose to ignore his Sabbath. And now it's time as a church for us to start saying, enemies, it's time for you to leave. And what I love about this is that in verse 8, it says that your enemies will fall before you by the sword. Well, we don't have physical enemies and we don't have physical swords, but you know what? Scripture tells us that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Something happens whenever we start confessing the word of God with our mouths. Something happens. You know what happens? Whenever we start confessing that Yahweh is God, when we start confessing that Yahweh is the king over my to-do list, when we start confessing that I can't do this on my own and that I do need his help, when we start confessing that, that he has positioned himself beside me, when we start confessing that I am his chosen, when we start confessing that I am his anointed, when we start confessing that he must increase and I must decrease, when we start confessing that Jesus holds the keys, when we start confessing that Jesus holds my victory, when we start confessing that he has all that it takes, confessing that it's been given, confessing that he has the power, he has the authority. When we start confessing that it's been given to me, when we start confessing that I'm a child of God and that you don't mess with daddy's kids, something starts happening. And we start to see the enemies fall. start to see the enemies fall by the sword. There's a part of this that's important as we come forward and, and, and start to identify that in us. Something really important has to happen. And we don't like this word, but we need to repent. If you're filled with anxiety this morning, the first thing that I want to tell you is repent. Fall before God and just say, Lord, I'm so sorry. Lord, you know that I wasn't trying to remove you out of my life. It was an accident, Lord. But I repent, God. I repent for it. Help me to put you back into my life. If you don't believe in Jesus in here this morning, if you haven't believed in him, but you, you're that person, you're laying awake in bed every single night because you're filled with anxiety, I've got an answer for you sitting right in that book. You need Jesus in your life because Jesus, when you would unite with God and his plans, he brings the Holy Spirit. He brings a level of shalom that you have never experienced before. So I'm going to pray here in just a second. I'd like for any prayer partners that are here to come forward. Any prayer partners that we have today, come forward. And listen, if, if if it's you that's struggling with anxiety, I want you to be willing to come forward, kneel at this altar if you want. You can do that by yourself. 
If you haven't believed in Jesus and you're like, man, I need, I need a real supernatural God in my life, come talk to one of these prayer partners. Okay? And if, if you're somebody that you suffer from severe anxiety and you're like, Lord, I could use a miracle today, I want you to come forward and talk with one of these prayer partners. Let's pray. And as soon as I say amen, anybody who needs it, you come down front, repent, and pray. Dear God, thank you so much for today, Lord. Lord, I thank you for whoever is about to receive healing. God, because they're in this room right now, Lord. God, I... God, and Lord, I believe, I don't want to put you out on a ledge, but at the same time, Lord, I know that you are a supernatural God. And Lord, I believe right now that you have brought somebody here who's going to receive a miracle this morning. Lord, and I pray that they are not quiet by the time they're done receiving that miracle. Lord, I pray that we see thousands, hundreds of thousands of enemies chased Lord, and I pray that we see hundreds of thousands of enemies destroyed by the sword, God, as we confess with our mouths that you are our God. You are the God of our to-do list. You are the God of our families, God. You are the God of this church. Love you so much, Lord. We thank you for the work that you're about to do in the hearts and lives of many. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.